Welcome, welcome, welcome to another episode of the Retrogasmic Podcast. I'm your host, Didi Deluxe. Thank you for tuning in. Today's show is dedicated to the astonishing and wonderful Betty Page. I'm sure everybody listening knows who she is. Uh, very few ladies have influenced modelling and style as much as she did, especially in the 1950s. Often referred to as the Queen of the Pinups, shoulder length, jet black hair, bright blue eyes, and just oozed class, whatever she was doing. She did everything from photography, club photos, amateur stuff, right the way through to some fairly saucy stuff later on, but kept a real classy kind of presentation throughout. An extraordinary lady, um, had a very tough life, went through some incredible hardships, and uh, yeah, just astonishing. We are very, very lucky today. We are talking to Tori Rodriguez, who is a very highly regarded biographer of Betty, has written two fantastic books about the lady, and also is the creator of Betty Page Fitness, and also Ron Brem, who is Betty's nephew. So we're going to hear firsthand about what she was like as a lady. Today's show, we're going to focus mainly on the interview with Tori and Ron, of course. Um, but I thought it might be just interesting for you to hear Betty's voice. This is taken from the 1996 interview with uh, entertainment reporter Tim Estilos. It was broadcast as the real Betty Page TV interview. Um, she was in her later years then, and she insisted that she wasn't shown on camera. She wants to keep her the memory of, of what she looked like in her heyday. But it's interesting just to hear her speak because you, you can still hear the independence and the intelligence in her voice. Here's a little clip. I always got up mimicking poses of movie stars in the magazines, models and movie stars, and that was my first beginnings of posing. I had no idea then I'd ever be a pinup model. So we're going to jump straight into the interview with Tori and Ron. Um, please bear in mind it was done on Skype. It was a rainy day in New Zealand, so I was constantly trying to uh, chop in and out so you couldn't hear the rain on the roof of the studio. Uh, Tori was in Atlanta, Georgia. Ron was in Bakersfield, California, and we were all trying to do it at one go on Skype. So it's it's remarkable that we got anything at all. But uh, have a listen. This is fantastic. So on the line, hopefully we have Betty Page, biographer and uh, founder of Betty Page Fitness, Tori Rodriguez, and Betty's nephew and established musician, Ron Brem. Hi. Hi. Hello, Duncan. How are you? I'm good. You're a bit crackly, your end. Oh. You might need to move a little bit nearer to the... uh, to the gramophone. Ah, let's, try let's try that. Is that better? Yeah, that's not bad. Good stuff. Okay. okay. Look, thank you so okay. much for coming on. I, I know it's a, it's a tricky thing to line up. You're in, uh, Tori's, you're in uh, Atlanta, Georgia? Yep. And Ron, you're in Bakersfield, California, is that right? Uh, yes, Southern California in Bakersfield. Wow. So that's good. I mean, we're kind of opposite sides of the world. So the fact that we're talking to each other is, is remarkable, yeah. especially with New, <laughs> yes, it is. New Zealand technology. Uh, this, uh, oh. <laughs> so, um, look, thank you. Uh, 
let's start off with uh, with Tory. Um, most of the people in the vintage scene around the world are aware of the legend that is Betty Page. But I mean, you're, you know, you've written two books about the lady. Can you tell us a bit about her life and and what you think made her so extraordinary? Yeah, um, her she had a you know extremely hard life with lots of hardship from the very beginning. You know, she's a a survivor of, of child abuse and sexual abuse and poverty and um, domestic violence and uh, sexual assault as an adult as well and just a number of tragedies of various sorts. And, you know, one of the things that I find so remarkable about her is that through all of that, um, she was still, and even through, you know, severe mental illness and later a lot of physical ailments, she, she always maintained this really strong um, sense of optimism and hope and, and determination. And I think that's probably one of the things I find most inspiring about her. Yeah. Um, just just give us a bit of an outline of her of, of her early days. I mean, you said she, she was from a, a poor family. Just give us a bit of background on that. Yeah, she uh, and and actually Ron could Ron can probably speak more to that because um, that's actually his family history. So, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, his mom and, and Betty grew up. Yes, go on, uh, Ron. Yeah, I mean, yeah, uh, yeah. Well, my my actual first uh, meeting with Betty was in 1961, when uh, when my grandma Edna. And uh, Betty both traveled up to uh, on the Greyhound bus all the way from Nashville, Tennessee, to uh, for a family visit uh, at our home uh, just outside of uh, St. Louis, Missouri, in southern Illinois. And I'll I'll uh, never forget meeting Betty. I was a a young shaver at the time there, but. Uh, <laughs> I uh, I remember visiting the the St. Louis uh, Zoo and walking around the the zoo there with my grandma and and uh, my aunt Betty and uh, I remember Betty holding my hand the whole time and she and just how nice she was and and um, she uh, Betty didn't really have any children of her own uh, and uh, she. She was. Uh, it always told my mom I was a I was a good kid, you know, and uh, <laughs> and so she. Uh, it, it was a lot of fun, though, and I remember how pretty she was. Is one of the other recollections I remember, and I remember my mom talking about that also when oh, I was really? a kid. Oh, really? Yeah. Did your mom and your and your auntie? Uh, you know, did they get on? Was 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 it kind of friendly, oh, or was there a yeah. bit, of, bit of competition, or you know? Well, well, now that's an interesting question. They they got along absolutely great, and they were very close, and and cool. wrote each other uh, letters throughout their whole lives. However, when they were both um, uh, doing modeling in their early fifties, uh, there and such, uh, they would go on some photo shoots uh, together, and. Uh, and my mom, um, anytime the uh, the photographer would uh, kind of take a, a few extra shots or something of my mom, why Betty would uh, would get a little jealous sometimes, according to what I was told there. But there, so there was a little rivalry between sisters. But they, you know, they they got along great their whole lives. So. Um, I, 
from a from a family member point of view, what what uh, I mean, you've said that she was she was very kind-hearted, and, and it, absolutely, and, and lots of people have have said that uh, she was basically a class act, even though she'd been through, you know, as Tori mentioned earlier, she'd been through some fairly uh, unpleasant circumstances. She she was a real class lady and, and seemed to keep optimism and, and uh, positivity and, mm. and always treated people how she'd want to be treated. But, um, I mean, what, what else about her can you, I mean... Did, I mean, I know you were young, so it's hard to uh-huh. process stuff. But I mean, mm-hmm. what, what was it about her, her kind of her makeup or her personality that enabled her to be so re- resilient? Do you think? Well, oh my gosh, she, Betty was uh, was she was a very very smart lady, as uh, as was my mom, I, I believe, and uh, they. Uh, uh, Betty just had a heart of gold, and she she always managed to keep a uh, looking on the bright side, even even in uh, through all the uh, the bad things that had happened, which not only happened with Betty, but uh, with with my mom as well, and uh, the the entire family was quite uh, poor when uh, when they were growing up, from what my uh, mom had told me. And they uh, they had a really hard life and uh, spent some time in an orphanage and such when they were young girls and uh, it uh, and basically a lot of that was they they really truly were a very poor family mm-hmm. and and uh, interestingly it's where you know in that orphanage is where um, they practiced the, the, a lot of their modeling poses. Um, Betty oh, and really? Together. Yeah. Um, they, in an interview, Betty had said that they would, they would play a game called Program where they would emulate poses that they would see in uh, magazines and newspapers and things like that. And mm-hmm. emulate a lot of the movie stars of the time and that sort of thing. So this yeah. would have, what, what era would this have been? Would this have been late 40s? So this would have actually been in the 30s, okay, so probably like, early yeah. to mid 30s. Okay, so this yeah. is during during the Great Depression then. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and and um, yeah, so Betty, because she said uh, that she, as she recalls it, as she recalled it, she was um, about 10 uh, when they were in the orphanage, and they were there for about a year, as as she recalled, before their mom was able to you know afford to take care of them again, and so she she came and got them and. They resumed living with their family again at that point. Wow! Mm-hmm. Uh, when they were all growing up, it, it, the the uh, all the children there they all had uh, interesting little nicknames for each other, and uh, and I remember my mom's nickname was. Uh, Soup Bean, they called her, and uh, of all things, Betty's nickname was Bean Pole. <laughs> <laughs> wow! So, she, she yeah, came, came a long way from the Bean Pole days. Didn't yes, you? yes, <laughs> um, yes, she certainly did. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. So, so even <laughs> it just, it's, I mean, it's, it just shows you even back in uh, probably one of the worst economic times of, of american modern history i guess the right. the glamour of 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 movies and uh, actors and stars mm-hmm. was still there and still permeated right the way through society enough to affect kids basically on yeah. the breadline 
Yes, absolutely. You're absolutely right, and you're you're also um, just making me realize how how interesting that is. That you know, throughout Betty's life, like she was a super like major like um, movie buff, and was really into you know the old films. And she had like her favorite actors and actresses. Like she loved Betty Davis, and um, she loved westerns, and so. Definitely, entertainment was very, very important to Betty throughout her life. I mean, it's interesting you say that because if you look at um, a lot of her work, her kind of poses and the the way, um, if you like, she frames herself and presents herself definitely has more of that golden age of um, Hollywood, almost as back to Garbo. It's got that kind of Mm -hmm. um, classy framing as opposed to the you know the fifties thing moving into the early 60s was much more kind of bubble gum and and cheeky girl next door but she somehow even when she was doing the the kind of the 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 slightly saucier stuff it was always super classy and that must be such a a, i mean if i can ask you ron and i know this is obviously a difficult thing we're talking about a a, a, you know a family member but um Uh do you think it was her uh, obvious her great intelligence that allowed her to be able to do all these things that some women might feel was a bit prudish and obviously people from a religious background might feel it was actually morally wrong but she managed Uh to do it in a way that um was i don't know natural if that's if that makes sense yeah do you think it was her intelligence that allowed her to kind of uh, kind of uh justify that in her head because it must have been tough back then yeah, I, I think so. And I, I think uh, the entire family had a, a wonderful sense of humor. Uh, one of the recollections I have uh, at the family get-togethers would be uh, everybody, as soon as they'd see each other, why they'd all uh, start telling each other all the new jokes they'd learned and such. And my <laughs> – <laughs> And uh, I remember uh, even my grandma, uh, Edna, would uh, would chime in on that. And uh, Betty, uh, a lot of the, th- the things Betty looked at uh, is uh, she was acting and uh, she, she would always uh, look at the camera and kind of pretend the camera was her boyfriend, kind of. And that, yeah. that was one one of the things that I remember uh, uh-huh. about. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and she just needed to have a, she really, really, and I think that's clearly one of the things that makes, that does kind of make her an anomaly, too, is that she really seemed to have this complete lack of, of shame around nudity, which, you Absolutely. know, we, we'd be great if we could all lose that. But, you know, yep. she, she had this, <laughs> yep. like, lack of shame around nudity, and she also had, seemed to have a really strong sense of justice, like, just naturally, yes. you know. Yep. And so I think those two things combined to be like, you know, there's nothing wrong with this. I'm not going to be ashamed of it, and, you know, right. I'm going to enjoy right. it. And then, you know, there's the famous story of when she was at an outdoor photo shoot at a, at a farm, and she and the camera club guys got arrested and um for and she got mm-hmm. betty got charged with indecent exposure and she made such a ruckus in the courtroom that the judge dropped the charge to disorderly conduct but betty betty famously said i'm not indecent i won't plead guilty right. <laughs> wow right. good for her yeah yeah god i mean so here we are <laughs> nearly 70 years later and now fighting you know nipple censorship on social media and stuff and <laughs> absolutely yeah. no you're, you're, i mean it's it's 
so much changes and so little changes. Uh, Ron, uh-huh. Ron, can I can I ask you? Yes. How did the? Um, sure. I mean, it sounds like it's a, a it was a real close family, and obviously, when a family goes through, uh, you know, hard times, it can drive people apart, but it can also unify people. Yeah. How, how did uh-huh. um, you mentioned your grandma Edna and and, and your your mum, and how did they react to Betty? Um, especially as she started getting better known, because people would have known, oh, you're the sister or you're the mother of of that girl uh-huh. that you know that's posing nude. Must have been a bit tricky with them. Well, well, I'll I'll be quite honest with you. Uh, it was an interesting thing. The whole time I was growing up, my family kept just what I knew they were both models, and I knew that Betty had done an extensive amount of modeling. Uh, but I didn't know what kind of modeling. They kept all of that a secret from me until I was 19 years old. And, uh, wow. One how, day, how? Well, well, now there were some, there, there were some hints and clues throughout my life growing up to that point. Um, there, there really were. Uh, I've, got, I've got a lot of stories about that. <laughs> but, but uh, yeah, one day my my mom goes up in our attic at our the house I grew up in, and uh, all of a sudden she comes down with this huge box, a uh, big cardboard box full of all these uh, old magazines and. Uh, things that she had kept over the years, and uh, and showed those to me and uh and then it really the light bulb came on as to just uh-huh. wh- what uh, <laughs> to what extent betty's career as a model had been and what type of modeling she had done and uh it was a real eye-opening experience <laughs> for I mean, me if you were 19 surely before then there yeah. must have been I mean, oh, oh, there were, you know, guys, guys, you know, if there's a pretty woman and there's a picture of a pretty woman, especially if she's in a bikini or whatever, they, Uh you know, that kind of stuff is shared about. There must have been something Mm -hmm. when you were a teenager, someone said, hey, isn't that your auntie? Didn't that occur? Well. Well, to, to be honest, that, that didn't ever happen, but, uh, there was one time, uh, well, I knew my mom took an awful lot of photographs when I was a kid, and yeah. uh, there were there were just a lot of. Uh, I, I was always standing around either with my finger on the shutter, uh, shooting pictures, or holding flash bulbs or something. <laughs> my mom was really, really into photography, and uh, but. There was another time in 1970 when my mom and I had uh, rode the Greyhound bus down to Nashville, Tennessee for a family visit. And we were at my Uncle Jack's house. And my Uncle Jack had a speedboat. Uh, and uh, we all went out to the local lake there and uh, with Betty and uh, myself and uh, my mom and uh, my Uncle Jack and his wife, and and we all went out and uh, tried to learn how to water ski, which was quite funny in itself at the time. And uh, <laughs> but but Betty was wearing a bikini uh, that day, as well as my mom, and uh, and I remember Betty uh, acting a little bit. Um, she she was uh, a little upset in some ways uh, and 
And I, I remember <clears throat> just overhearing a conversation between my mom and Betty and my mom telling Betty, oh, he doesn't know anything about that. You know? Yeah. Okay. So she was she was worried about being in a bikini yes, in front of you. Yes, absolutely. Wow, that's that's such a, a kind of a. Mm-hmm. I mean, compared to what she did for a living, but she's still concerned about protecting you. Yeah, apparently, that's you know, and that that's wow. pretty congruent with what else we know about her, which is that if you ever, you know, there's a there are just a handful of pictures of her um, in you know, in her life, like candid pictures, you know, from right. the 50s. Yeah. And when you see those pictures, it's very surprising how modestly she dress, would dress. I mean, sometimes you, oh, you know, yeah. there, are, there are others where, you know, she was wear, dressed up for like, you know, some special occasion and she's wearing some really sure. you know, sexy dress. But I mean, if she was out and about like on a day trip or something, she would be covered from a, from neck to toe. You know, she'd be mm-hmm. wearing like, long sleeve shirts, baggy pants. Yeah. And, oh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, so, so given given a choice, she uh, was basically quite a modern, uh, sorry, a, a modest, kind of retiring kind of personality. Yeah, I would, I would say that's yeah. a fair. I mean, that's fair. what it seems. You, I mean, like it was really like you know, she when she came to work and and turned it on. Ways <laughs> the one, you know, she she enjoyed every second of it and felt yeah. really really comfortable with it, and then. Um, you know, that's, that's one of the things, you know, people love the, all the paradox, all the, the paradoxical nature of Betty, yes. you know. Do, do you think it was a cathartic thing for her? Do you think it was a way of her kind of, because um, I mean, she was obviously a very smart yeah. lady and you mentioned her sense of justice. Mm-hmm. Do you think that the, the kind of the societal, um, you know, you're a woman, you've got to do this, you've got to dress like this, you've got to behave like this, especially back in those mm-hmm. days. Do you think that was her way of kind of um, the system. expressing her dissatisfaction with society, <laughs> if you like? That's a very that's a good point. I, it very well could have been part of the motivation. Um, but on, on the other hand, um, you know, and I will add also that, you know, she that was a theme for her, of course, is doing things that people that women weren't doing in her age. Yeah. Like she was one of the very, yes. few, very few women you know, in the, in, in her era that even graduated from college and she was, she moved, she, she moved to New York city and supported out, you know, she was a, she lived by herself in New York city, you know, had her own apartment, all that stuff. But, um, so yeah, so that's, I'm sure, you know, that's just part of that kind of continuation of that theme. But, but also, um, you know, it's funny because a lot of people have said like Mark Morey, who did the, the Betty Page reveals all documentary, um, He's he's said before that like you know almost like and other people have said this too like what you see is what you get like you know we like to assign a lot of complexity to Betty's thought processes and motivations and stuff mm-hmm. but but it's more likely that she was just being just being herself without a whole lot of analysis about right. why you know what I mean yeah. she was yeah. extremely authentic and very um, yeah. very again, real. Yeah. yeah, I mean, th- throughout, I mean, she's obviously a very driven lady and didn't mm-hmm. let, um, you know, the, the, the bumps in the road of, of life kind of uh, slow her down, which is, I mean, it's admirable. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. Along the way, were, were, was there any kind of, uh, did, you, did you have a, a long-term partner or anyone special? Or was she kind of so focused on what she did that she was a bit of a loner? Um she did have she was married um and she yeah she was from what i gather yeah. and ron let me know if you agree i mean yeah. she definitely was, and in general she was a bit of a loner or a lot of a yeah. loner. Yeah, and i think absolutely. i think you i think wasn't your mom pretty much of a loner yes 
Yes, absolutely. Yeah. Um, yeah. But she did have, but Betty was married um, four times to three men. Right. So she married one twice. Married oh, the first okay. yeah. <laughs> yeah. Kind of her. Yeah. One or of like her. Like yeah, sleep. childhood. Yeah, that's true. She married him twice. Because I guess the same, you know, especially early on, to be married to someone with that career, I mean, that's a that's a testament to those those guys, and they would have had to have been pretty open minded and very supportive. I'm guessing. Yeah. Well, interestingly, I think yeah. she may have kept it. <laughs> <laughs> may have kind of kept it a secret at least from um, yeah at least from you know the the i know her her last husband um harry lear who yeah. who she always remained very fond of and who really was a, a wonderful person from what i can tell and you know if you read right. our, our, our book you know betty page the lost years you know it's clear how oh. he really went out of his way to take care of betty even after they divorced he he allowed oh, that's her cool. um to live or after i don't know if they were officially divorced at that time. i think they were but he allowed her to continue to live um, in a, like a guest room in his house and made sure that she was, you know, looked after and everything. And, yes, um, cool. but uh-huh. so, but I know he, he, he talks about in the documentary, he talks about how, when they, um, I, I forget exactly. Oh, she told him she had been a model, but that she had never posed nude. So, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. so I'm, I'm assuming this is pre-internet. Yep. Yes. Yeah, so, oh yeah. 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 yeah There's no the... secrets now, are there? Uh-huh. No. No. <laughs> so, Ron, can I start you? Um, sure. Was it just um, uh, your aunt and your mum, or were there other brothers and sisters? Oh, there were other brothers and sisters. There, there were three brothers, um, Jimmy, Billy, and uh, my Uncle Jack. And there were three girls, uh, Betty and Goldie, my mom, and also Joyce. And were they all kind of super smart and independent? And you know, do they all? Is it? Do you think it's a family trait? This kind of I would, um, driving I would, resilience. I, I would say so. Yeah, yeah, I would say that. From uh, yeah, um, they the the brothers were quite different. Uh, I I didn't really know my uncle uh, Billy. Oh, very well uh he he had passed away when i was quite young and uh but uh my uncle jimmy and uh my uncle jack was uh uh always were always very good to me and they were cool with betty oh yeah yeah jack and and betty got along great uh their whole lives. Yeah, Jack helped uh, Betty out uh, quite extensively later in life, and he kind of always helped look after her uh, some uh, at times. Yeah, she's out in the book, in the, in the Lost Years, she she tells Goldie, you know, she mentioned something Jack had done for her, and she said he's the best brother a girl could ask for. Uh-huh. <laughs> yeah. That's good. So, so later on in life, you mentioned that... Um, she she suffered a bit from her health. Can you just give us a bit of uh, a, a bit of insight into that? Yeah, and uh, she when she was married to Harry Lear, um, she started and just from just roughly, you know, probably around um, like in the seventies is when it's 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 actually known that she started having real severe um, mental health problems. I don't know how long before that they actually did start to materialize, but. Um, she developed. Um, she was developed, uh, diagnosed with um, paranoid schizophrenia, which of course is a severe, debilitating uh, mental illness. And 
she um, had a long period of, I guess, you know, her, her illness wasn't managed well. So she was institutionalized several times over, you know, the span of a couple of decades. Um, and the, the longest period was she, she was sentenced to um, 10 years at Patton State Psychiatric Hospital in California, um, ended up, I think she ended up actually being there for maybe eight or nine of those, and then the rest of the sentence was like at a, like a halfway house or something. Um, when you say sent- sentenced, that sounds like a... Ah, yes. Yeah, so that's <laughs> that's another part of the story. She, um, There were two different incidents where she, um, during a psychotic break, she had a violent episode with a landlord in each case. Um, oh, okay. And, would, and was accused of... of just to, to put it, I guess, concisely, just like stabbing um, the landlord or, you know, it was like an assault with a knife. Right. Um, and in both cases, like, they survived. But um, she – so the first time she – so she was she was sentenced to, like, some months in at Patton State for the first incident. And then um, – not very long after she got out, she had the second incident, and that's when she, she – so she was found guilt, you know, um, not guilty by reason of insanity, but was sentenced to um, Patton State for, like, a, a roughly 10-year sentence. Okay. And, I mean, what, what's your impression – well, both of you, really, what's your impression of that? Could she have been better looked after, or, or was it more of a um, just put her somewhere to keep her safe kind of thing? Because, I mean – yeah. Those kind of situations must be so tricky to handle. Yeah, I would imagine so. Yeah, I kind of I, I don't have I don't have a, I don't have a strong feel just from what I know. And I'm, I mean, of course, there's lots we don't know. But um, just from what I know, I don't. And Ron, let me know what you think. I don't have a strong mm-hmm. like I don't have a strong sense of like that wasn't fair. They shouldn't have done that. You know, um, I kind of it's it's kind of it seems like there she probably was involved in both of these incidents. I don't know if it was to the extent that she that she right. was being involved, but. I do think. I mean, she was was she was very se- severely mentally ill and w- did have some terrible, um, you know, times with that. Until li- for- fortunately, later in life, it's clear that her mental illness was better managed, and she was able to have some some long term stability and um, even you know some happiness and develop some friendships and things like that. So yeah, that's that's the right spot. But I do think that it's it's kind of like mm, I don't, like you said, Duncan. It's it's tricky, you know, how to handle situations. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, for sure. I mean, you wonder if it would have been better managed early on, whether those incidents would ever even have happened. Right, right. right. Because right. her I previous agree. her previous history, the last thing she sounds is violent, you know? Mm-hmm. Right. And then, the opposite. You know, and, and, and unfortunately, of course, I mean, we know, like, even now, like, how much, how hard it would be for anyone to just admit, like, oh, I'm schizophrenic, you know? Um, yes. Yeah, and so, or even be aware of it if exactly. you're actually starting to so suffer was, from something. Yeah. There was a, there was the a, awareness that there's actually something wrong must be very hard. Oh, absolutely. Yeah. And you'll see that yeah. in the book. Like, I, I point that I point that out in the book of how it's clear, you know, how strong like the lack of awareness and the stigma were. You don't, you know, she never mentions right. like she doesn't say anything about her diagnosis or that she has a mental illness or or anything. She just she'll use terms like emotional tension strain. And right. you know wow. right. nerves, yeah. you know you know problems with her nerves yeah. and things like mm-hmm. that. Yeah, that's yeah, that's how my mom would refer to that as well. To be honest, yeah, yeah I think that was just probably the way it was spoken about back then. 
And yeah, yeah. Absolutely. I think that was a cultural thing rather than your family being protective. I think right. that's just... Uh, I mean, even now, there's a lack of understanding of, of, yes. of mental illness, which oh, affects yeah. so many people. Yes. Um, absolutely. Hey, just, um, just on a side, a side note, and I'm not trying to relate the two things, but... Um, I believe she she became quite religious later on in life as well. Yeah, that actually happened in the early 60s, actually. She attended a Bible college, and uh, I, I remember one of the postcards was... Uh, was from uh, from one of the Bible colleges there, and but, yeah, it was from the Billy Graham, um, like yeah, Billy Graham yeah. Center or something like that. Mm-hmm. Okay, yeah. And so was this before um, she she had the mental illness, or was it before it manifested itself? Yeah, or? that's the thing that's tricky. It's it's definitely it's before she was like you know institutionalized during those times I mentioned. Um, yeah. it, was, it was well before that, but it's hard to know. I mean, she did say that sometime during that, that, that period where she was going back to school and getting, you know, she was yeah. in like Bible school, uh, Bible college. She did talk about having, um, hallucinations there. Yeah, there, there were, uh, there were signs of things like that happening early in the sixties, as I recall. Mm. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So Duncan, so like you're saying, it, it would be great if she had been able to have some effective intervention at that time and not, you know, it, it, absolutely. Possibly yeah. Cut it off yeah, I was just wondering what what her support group was like because you know, I mean, I'm not a religious person by any means, but I, I do understand mm-hmm. that one of the attractions of any uh, religious kind of involvement is that you have a. Um, a some mentorship and you have a community right and i just wondered if you know if she was if there was something going on that was drifting downhill yeah there were people around her at the time to to support that right it was just uh, just yeah and the and the and the structure just the appeal of that like oh i'll have something to you know plug myself into and Uh and hopefully get get things you know feeling like i I have things under control so um, um if people I want to kind of go into this remarkable lady's life more. Just tell us briefly about first of all the two the two books you've got, just so we, that we people know where they can get hold of them, where they can download them, where they can get hard copies, etc. Yeah, well, both so both books are available, like you know, pretty much wherever books are sold. So like you Amazon or you know online online bookstores like Barnes and Noble or it, you know in uh-huh. brick brick and mortar bookstores and. Um, Target and Walmart and those kinds of things here in the in the U.S. Yeah. Um, but the so the first the first book um, was it came out in um, in May of last year. It's called The Little Book of Betty, and that's sort of a fun a fun pinup lifestyle guide that's inspired by Betty and tells her backstory and includes lots of fun photos and facts about Betty and then has lots of you know pinup hair and makeup tutorials and. Um, pin up fashion and even some like do it yourself pin-up accessories because that was a big thing. Betty was like all about do-it-yourself, um, you know, crafts yeah. and clothing. And didn't 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 uh, Betty and and your mum used to make their own clothes? Right? Yes, absolutely, they did. Yeah, they they both uh, were were very good at sewing. And uh, uh, my mom actually even taught me how to sew when I was a little fellow there. That's and, awesome. Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, absolutely. But yeah, I, they. Uh, my mom uh, later, uh, after aside from doing uh, modeling, she was also a burlesque dancer, 
And uh, cool. uh, she would sew her own costumes for that. And as a matter of fact, I, I have a trunk full of them that she had kept over oh, all, all the years. And, uh, yeah, uh, they they both uh, – and, and on some of the early photo shoots and such, they would trade costumes back and forth. There's a, a very well-known uh, – red uh, polka dot bikini that you'll see Betty in quite yes. often. Uh, yes. And uh, I have uh, several pictures of my mom wearing that same one. And, uh, but, uh, oh, so they were the same size? Uh, close enough, apparently, to, to swap yeah. Uh, yeah, bikini. Sorry, to, to, Tori, I, I, I kind of got sidetracked. <laughs> this is all so fascinating. So, um, Yes. Yeah, so, uh, just tell us about tell us about the second book. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. Just so and so I was just gonna. And the last thing I wanted to say about about the first one is that it also includes um, what I call what I've, I've coined the term Betty Babes to you know to refer to all all the the modern women who are inspired by Betty and her fierceness and you know. Oh, of course. Yeah. So just Madonna, etc. Yeah. Powerful, yeah. non-conforming women. And um, but anyway, yeah. So the the second book is of course the Betty Page, The Lost Years, which Ron and I created together with the material from his his family archives and. All the like, never, you know, pre- the previously unpublished photos of both him, you know, about, of Goldie and Betty, and and you know, together and separately over different periods of their lives, and um, then of mm-hmm. course has the decades worth of letters from Betty to Goldie talking about what's what's going on with her basically from about nineteen sixty right. to you know early uh, well, to four, 40, yeah, nineteen forty nine, I think was the first uh, where there's a yeah. very first mentioning of her modeling career there and such and, and all the way up through 2000 i think fantastic, yeah. fantastic. so ron you're you're um you're a musician yes sir you're continuing yeah. with the uh, the indefatigable attitude of the family you've got the single hardest hardest career yeah, in the world I speak, from, I, I speak from experience yes, yeah. yes we have that in common yeah um so so you're, you've got the Betty Page Band, I believe. Uh, that's in the works right now. The Betty Page Band is in the works. Uh, I've uh, uh, grown – well, I started life as a drummer and uh, playing piano, but I'm a guitar player by trade. And uh, right. and I'm a songwriter and I uh, have a small uh, home studio and I've done a lot of production work and such. And I'm also a songwriter. Um, my mom, Goldie Page, was uh, quite a poet and wrote a, a lot of song lyrics. And I actually have uh, literally a couple different books of song lyrics that she has written. And she always wanted me to put those to music. And so um, right now I'm working on tracking a lot of uh, those songs and uh and hopefully will be released pretty soon. And uh, fantastic. Well, well, let let's us know, and we'll, yeah. we'll, uh, we'll we'll play some of it on the show. That's, that's, that sounds great. wonderful. Would love that. So, and before before we wrap up, guys, because I, I could talk to you <laughs> all day. And Same here. I'm sure the the guys Same would love it. But uh, um, oh, Tori, I know one other thing. Um, the Betty Page Fitness. Just quickly tell everybody about that. Yeah, so um, it's Betty Page Fitness offers body positive fitness with a pinup twist. So it's um, workouts that are inspired, workout videos that are inspired by Betty's modeling poses, which are very fitnessy, and some of them are yoga poses. And so I I strung those together into Ah. workouts and. Um, we also we also have Betty Page yoga mats and all kinds of, of yeah. feel good fitness stuff that's all inspired by Betty and and 
Do you have a, 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 a um, we've mentioned so much stuff yeah. today and people listening on the train, you know, uh, is, is there a single website yes. where people can go to just so they can go on? Yeah, they can they can go if they go to bettypagefitness.com, they can find those products, but also they can um, find both of the books and if they order the lost years through that site, then it'll be autographed by both Ron and uh, and me. So Oh, that's yeah. fantastic. So bettypagefitness.com. Yep. Thank you so much for talking to us, guys. It's been absolutely fascinating and an honour to have you both on the show. And, Ron, we will definitely stay in touch. If you need any harmonica on that new album, give me a share. (laughs) That sounds great, Doug. It's been a real pleasure. All right, thank you so much, guys. Thanks so much for having us on. Appreciate it. Yes, thank you. Okay, bye-bye. Retrogasmic. Sadly, that brings us to the end of yet another show. Ah, one of my favourites, I think, so far. Thank you so much again to Tori and Ron for uh, a wonderful conversation. Thank you to you guys for listening, of course. If you're on iTunes, please leave us a review. It does help. If you're on the normal social media stuff, share it with your buddies. Share the love. Thanks a lot, and we'll see you next time. Retrogasmic